Welcome back to the Lottery Podcast. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. This week's episode is brought to you by ShipStation, Harry's Razors, and Indochino. If you remember R.J. Barrett's sweet pink suit at the draft, that was Indochino, the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. It's really an easy process if you need some new clothes. You choose your fabric, you pick your customizations, you submit your measurements, your package will be delivered to you straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at the nearest Indochino showroom or do it all online yourself at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get 30 bucks off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus shipping is free. That's Indochino.com. Promo code BLUEWIRE for 30 bucks off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that does not fit. Okay, we're moving along in this college basketball season already like a month in. And honestly, that's been long enough for me to change my opinion about certain players, about a lot of players, but actually even some of the top guys. I mean, usually you don't make big, huge changes to the top of your board after a month. Um, and I didn't make any huge changes, but I have a new number one. I mean, I wasn't really expecting myself to have a new number one this early, but I feel pretty confident uh, about the changes I've made based on what I've seen. And so I figured this week, uh, given that, again, we've seen a month's worth of basketball. I've been watching a ridiculous amount, by the way. Um, and so I have... A new top 50, a, a good top 50. And actually, there's probably 20 guys who, uh, who who don't make the cut, who easily could have been in that 40 to 50 range. Um, there's really just not much of a difference this early. And, and usually in general, even when we move closer to June, the fringe guys uh, could easily be placed somewhere in that late second round. But anyway, I have a top 50. I put it out on Bleacher Report. Um, and even since uh, last week when I published this during Thanksgiving, I've made a, a few slight changes and I'll address them here today. But I figured I'd go through my top 50, starting with number one, spend the most time in the top guys, and then try to rattle off names as we move down into the 20s, 30s, 40s, uh, and so on. And, and I'll mention some snubs and, and some guys who I have my eye on who may potentially uh, eventually rise up the board, whether it's you know guys on the fringe getting into the top 50 or guys in the 30s who really have the chance to eventually become lottery picks. So with that being said, let's start at the top. And I started the season. My preseason number one was Anthony Edwards from Georgia. I'm sure by now you've seen a couple of his clips, uh, putting up a lot of numbers. However, he's been dropped to number two. And I have, believe it or not, LaMelo Ball at number one on my board. And here's why. First off, it's important to note that Zion Williamson isn't in this draft. There isn't an Anthony Davis. There isn't a LeBron. There is no obvious answer at number one here. In fact, I asked the scout recently, you know, who's your number one? And he said, I didn't give anyone in this class so far a number one overall grade. So remember that when I go into why LaMelo Ball is my number one. I don't necessarily put LaMelo on the same tier as previous number ones. But in this particular class, I have the most faith most faith that LaMelo Ball can, can impact games, and impact your franchise. Uh, now, Anthony Edwards is going to put up a lot of numbers. He's going to be a 25-point score in the NBA, uh, and I feel pretty good about it. But volume scoring doesn't always translate to impact scoring. And, uh, you know, we could show highlights all day of his 32 points in the second half against Michigan State. 
but his team was getting blown out. He was taking some wild shots and they were going in. One of the reasons why Georgia was in such a big hole in that game is because early on Anthony Edwards was taking those low percentage pull-ups that you know are really what fuel his scoring attack, our low percentage contested shots. Now he can make them and he can catch fire like we saw, but when I'm talking about the number one overall pick, I want more than just scoring. And I think LaMelo Ball can offer similar scoring upside, but a lot more playmaking potential and a lot more makes his teammates better potential. I mean, makes his teammates better, that should be like a stat. Not a stat, like a a box that you would check on a scouting report. LaMelo Ball makes his teammates better. Anthony Edwards, mm, I'm not sure I'm ready to give him that check mark. I think worst case scenario, I mean, with LaMelo, a 6'7 point guard, he gets bigger and stronger like every month. and uh, and his passing, which always translates, I mean, Trey Young, John Morant, Luka Doncic, high-level passing always translates. And LaMelo Ball has that unteachable passing instincts um, along with the physical tools and skill level to execute against NBA defenses. So I think worst comes to worst, you get one of the best facilitators, playmakers around. Um, having said that, again, he, he's gotten so much more athletic over the years. Usually guys don't improve their athleticism this much. I mean, he's so fast in the open court now. He plays above the rim. He has a couple explosive dunks overseas that he didn't used to get when he was in high school. Um, And he's got tremendous, unteachable touch on his floaters, which I think is such a key shot for him. And though he's not shooting a great percentage from downtown, I'm more worried about the makes. He can make those shots. He drilled, you know, four threes the other night. Uh, By the way, back-to-back triple doubles for LaMelo Ball uh, in the NBL. And, uh, Again, I think that his scoring has the chance, and, and more than has a chance, if I'm putting him number one, I believe it will eventually come around once he ties everything together with the floater game. Um, his finishing package at the rim is impressive. I know, again, he's not shooting a high percentage, but he's 18. When he's 25, he's got a lot more muscle and a lot more experience. He's going to execute at a lot better rate. He's got, uh, again, I keep using the word unteachable because that's what I see with him. He's just a natural at contorting his body and finding the right angle and using his offhand around the basket. Um, that touch out to the, I mean, he's taking floaters from 25 feet away. Once his confidence starts flowing, he clearly has that shooting range to bury three after three. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not willing to put too much stock into the inefficiency given the circumstances of his age, his body, the way he's developing and the opponents he's facing. So I think he's the, the most full package player in this draft. Uh, having listened to him, speak and, and interview and stuff. I think he's matured over the years. Uh, I've said this on previous podcasts. I think being such a big time star and celebrity early in his life, by now he's kind of, I don't say he's bored of it, but he doesn't need that anymore. Now he can kind of focus on basketball uh, as opposed to building his brand, which is already built. He's probably sick of the cameras and sick of all the attention, uh, which is a, a unique feeling for a, for a person at this age. Uh, so I think he's ready to go. I think it's a good thing that he got all that shit out of the way early in his life. Uh, and now he's becoming a professional. To me, when, when you kind of stack him up with the other candidates at number one, he just has the most favorable balance mix of, of high ceiling and high floor. So things could change. I mean, like we could start to see different things from Anthony Edwards over the next couple of months, maybe from Cole Anthony, of course, from James Wiseman, who is suspended till mid-January. But uh, as of now, I have Lamelo at number one, and somebody's going to need to change my mind uh, before draft time to change that. So now let's talk about Anthony Edwards, who, uh, wow, he's, uh, he's created some unbelievable highlight packages, uh, particularly, again, with that 32 points in the second half. 
against Michigan State. He bounced back and hit a game winner. Um, I know it was against Chaminade, but uh, it was still a ball in his hands. Three, two, one, pull up jumper from downtown. Bang. I mean, that's his game. He is a stone cold uh, killer scorer. And uh, he reminds me a lot of a mix between Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker. And uh, again, just a monster high floor. I know this guy is going to be able to score at the NBA level because he has the NBA shot-making ability and the NBA shot-creating ability with uh, the inside-out dribbles and the, the step-backs and the pull-up game. I mean, he's so good at that right now. He's almost too good to the point where he relies on it too much and doesn't attack the rim as much as he should with that 6'5", 225-pound frame and explosiveness. And again, that, if there's a concern with me with Anthony Edwards, it's that sometimes he doesn't have a good feel for when to settle for those low-percentage hero shots and when to really put pressure on the defense with his driving ability because naturally he's got he's got unbelievable natural driving ability without any skill, just using that that uh, that body and the speed and explosion to, to get to the basket, to play through contact. I mean, he should be getting a lot more free throws than he does. Having said that, he's pretty much like already mastered the hard part of the game, which is scoring from all three levels with you know unbelievable proficiency. I mean, he can get a shot off whenever he wants. And so uh, I'm good with Anthony Edwards at number two. I'm good with him at number one. You know, if you want to make that case, I, again, I, I still prefer LaMelo Ball because of his versatility. But um, I, I, my confidence level that Anthony Edwards is going to be a 20-plus point scorer in the NBA is just so high. So uh, to me, he starts, uh, he moves down from number one to number two. And at number three, uh, I have Cole Anthony. And Cole Anthony has been... I'd say a mixed bag early on. Obviously, he has some monster scoring games, and he's going to continue to have those monster scoring games. Just another really well-rounded score uh, with every shot in the bag from the floaters to the step-backs to the pull-ups uh, to deep three balls. Uh, really confident player, uh, but he struggled a lot at the rim. He's actually shooting a, a poor percentage at the rim, under 50%. And uh, his shot selection... Leaves a lot to be desired sometimes. He can turn some people off. Even dating back to high school, I knew, I knew people who questioned uh, his ability to be a, an efficient lead guard because of uh, he's certainly a shoot-first guy over a pass-first guy, which isn't really a knock in today's game. I almost prefer that from my, from my lead guard that, that he can score when, when he wants to. But um, his assist-to-turnover ratio is not very impressive. I know North Carolina doesn't give him a ton of supporting talent, and sometimes he's got to take things into his own hands. Um, so on the downside, he's got to improve his floor game, his decision-making, his shot selection, uh, his finishing at the rim. On the other hand, uh, he's still capable in every single department, uh, including finishing, including uh, scoring in the mid-range and shooting threes and passing. I know he, there's some questions with his turnovers and decision-making, but he can make every pass in the book as well. Um, so he, he's got everything there. He, he's got to put it together. He's got to tighten it up. He's got to make some better decisions. Um, do you fully trust him to be uh, a high-level decision-maker with the ball in his hands, a guy who's going to dominate the ball? That's another thing. If you take Cole Anthony, you have to give him the ball. Um, and so I think to, for some teams drafting high, he may not be a great fit. But he's just too good of a basketball player, um, along with the NBA tools, athleticism, and genes, of course, son of Greg, uh, for me to dock him too much for the early inefficiency. And I do expect him to bounce back and have a – you know, eventually on a really hot stretch, probably throughout conference play. And I'm expecting game winners and I'm expecting clutch shots. And so uh, he's at number three on my board. And honestly, I think uh, a team, 
for this draft to get Cole Anthony number three would be pretty good value. At number four, I got Nico Mannion, Arizona. Uh, not as flashy of, I'd say, an athlete as Cole Anthony, but sharper, a little bit more well-rounded as a passer, as a shooter. Um, he's had some quiet games. He's also had some really, really impressive sharp games uh, where he breaks down the defense and delivers high-level passes. Uh, around the perimeter, he's a very versatile shot maker. Um, pull-ups, spot-ups, shooting off screens. Uh, he's just got the whole full package. And honestly, he's not that bad of an athlete. Uh, he's had a couple impressive finishes above the rim. I think I questioned before the season, would he be able to separate one-on-one as easily as a guy like Cole Anthony? Um, and I think he's done a good job of, of making that a non-issue. Um, of course, it'll change when he gets to the next level. He, he has a, a wingspan that's close to his height, around six foot three, But uh, he's just very good at making the right reads and right plays. He doesn't have any agenda when he goes through each possession. He doesn't say, okay, I'm going to go up. I'm going to take over. I got to shoot this. Um, he, he lets the game come to him. Um, unselfish. Just to me, a very, very safe pick in this draft. I don't know if he's ever going to be an all-star point guard, but I do think he could be a very quality uh, starting one in the NBA. And, and for a team that can kind of surround him with some some players early, um, I think Nico is just going to be a solid pick in this draft, really anywhere from number four on down. And number five, I have Tyrese Maxey. And Maxey, I know he blew up that first game, um, dropping 26 points, taking over with threes, with runners, with tough finishes, had some big-time rebounds. Um, he's had some some quiet games since. He hasn't shot the ball well, uh, or at least consistently. But uh, I'm just kind of picturing Maxey like five years out. I think he's going to tie it all together. You know, I love I love the head on his shoulders, um, uh, his skill set in terms of pulling up and hitting those runners and finishing. I think he's got the potential to be very good in those three particular areas. Um, it's not super comforting that he's a 6-3-2 guard. I don't really ever expect him to be a lead initiator, a lead decision maker. Uh, I, I think I kind of like him um, in the Donovan Mitchell role. Ideally, next to Mitchell, you have uh, a more sound passer, a more natural facilitator. Uh, I do think Maxi will be fine in pick and roll situations, particularly as a scorer, and he can make uh, the passes. I think he's going to be a good defender. Another guy who I just think is just a very safe pick. I don't know if he's ever going to be an all-star, but I expect Maxi to just be a fine, tough two-way player, uh, a reliable guy. Um, and uh, again, in this particular draft, uh, I think you could take Maxi from anywhere as high as number five down on the board and feel good about uh, getting back a starting caliber uh, two-way player. At number six, I mean, to me, I, I've talked about him a lot already in this podcast, but he is uh, the guy who's made the strongest impression on me, and that's Onyeka Okongwu, uh, the center from USC, who was not on my top 50 board. I didn't really peg him as a, a one-and-done guy, but I think I, I pretty much saw one game and was convinced uh, just the other day, 27-14 and 14 against Harvard. I knew it was Harvard, but uh, he's just so convincing between his his power and explosiveness and length, but also his developing skill level in the post. Not only does he give you easy baskets and block shots at a ridiculous rate, but his post game is awfully smooth for a guy who uh, who I'd say is closer to the raw side. I mean, he's got great touch with both hands. Um, he, he's shown different various types of, of hook shots and, and um, shots out of the post. I think Okongu has clearly the highest upside in rim protection among the top centers, but also... 
shooting 80% from the free throw line. I think his, his offensive upside so far has been more impressive to me than James Wiseman, who's pretty much just been a dunking machine and, uh, and a offensive putback guy. And I know Wiseman hasn't played a whole lot this year, uh, but I, I think there's more to Okongwu's game uh, than there is to Wiseman's. At number seven, I have Denny Abdia, the Israeli, who, uh, you know, not playing too much in um, EuroLeague with Maccabi Tel Aviv. He's playing more in the Israeli league. Uh, I've seen a lot of Adia, as have most scouts coming in, so they're not going to put too much stock into what he does this year as an 18-year-old playing in EuroLeague. Uh, the FIBA U20 European Championships when he won MVP, uh, that's going to stick in a lot of scouts' minds. It certainly is stuck in my mind. And again, just projecting him out, 6'8", uh, a capable score from downtown, uh, attacking the basket, facing up, um, and, uh, you know, he averaged five assists during the, that FIBA tournament. He's a very skilled passer, uh, and, and I really like what he's done defensively. He's made some significant strides, and he looks like he puts a real emphasis on making the right reads defensively, uh, despite the fact that he's probably just hoping for shots uh, in, Televi- in uh, Maccabi's offense because he doesn't get too many, but he's really uh, focused even in that limited role. Again, another guy who's just a high high floor guy. I don't know if he's ever... Um, a superstar in the league. I kind of compare him to Danilo Gallinari. I think that's um, the type of player he might be, like a fringe type all star at best. Worst case, you're getting a, a guy who can put up 18 to 20 um, and, and give you maybe some secondary playmaking um, and, and some toughness. So I like FD at number seven. And at number eight, right now, that's where I'm going to stick James Wiseman. Uh, Wiseman started to me, I think he was number five on my board to start. Then other players played well and kind of moved up. Uh, while he has been sitting out, of course, due to this ridiculous suspension um, that the NCAA gave him. Um, and so now he comes back January 12th. Uh, again, I've talked to scouts who, who still think that he's in the mix for number one overall. I, I just, I don't, I, I hear it. I, I just don't see it. Um, he's not skilled enough. He's not a, a big enough impact player right now. And I know right now he's got a ton of talent, but uh to me, that's not enough. He hasn't shown enough in other areas um, in terms of impacting games. Um, not a good enough shot creator, obviously not a good enough shooter. Um, and and play, rim runners like him, like, yeah, they're effective in today's league, but not at number one overall. And so I put him at number eight. We'll see what he shows when he comes back. He should have a, a fine sample size worth of games by the time draft comes, um, like probably two months worth uh, of college basketball to, to play for scouts to see. So he's got... Um, he'll have the opportunity to change my mind and move up the board. Uh, honestly, he may have the opportunity, or not the opportunity, but um, the potential to kind of get exposed a little bit. Maybe he, he drops a little bit further for me, depending on really, I think, his defense. He's got to be able to use that 7-6 wingspan uh, to shrink the size of the rim he's defending. He's got to be able to use his feet to switch around the perimeter, uh, particularly if he's not going to be a big-time offensive skill guy right now. You know, like Carl Anthony Towns. Towns was far more skilled than Wiseman is at the same age. Um, and, and so I, I think I'm fine with Wiseman again in that late uh, 5 to 13 range, you know, late lottery range. But uh, to me, w- with all these, these exciting guards, a uh, couple wings, uh, I'm, I'm more comfortable slotting Wiseman right now um, in, in that back end of the lottery. Let's take a quick break to shout out Ship Station with the holiday rush here. You have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders? Decide which shipping carrier to use if you're getting the best rates. Luckily, ShipStation can help. 
With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. For me personally, I love the idea that it uh, works with all the major carriers, USPS, FedEx, UPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. And no wonder ShipStation is number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial that's two months free, no hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, then type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Also, a great holiday gift idea. How about Harry's Razors? Everyone's been talking about Harry's Razors. Go buy someone you love a set uh, for the holidays. Listeners of this show can get money off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com slash bluewire. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so you got to act fast. It's a great deal for you. It's a great deal for the guy that you're buying for. Holiday sets start at just 20 bucks. That's within Secret Santa limits. And Harry's Blade refills are as low as $2 each. So your guy will save money over time. It comes ready to gift in a handsome holiday gift box. And your gift gives back. 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. I love that. As a special offer for fans of the show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets. When you go to harrys.com slash bluewire, plus you'll get free shipping. Each Harry's shave set comes with a weighted handle, with the option to engrave five-blade razor cartridges, Foaming shave gel for our rich lather. A travel cover to protect your blades. Packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. Okay, back to the big board. We had James Wiseman at number eight. At number nine, Isaac Okoro, freshman from Auburn. I had Okoro in that 11 to 18 range to start the season. He's moved up a little bit for me. Another guy, I guess I'm saying, as I'm saying this out loud, there seems to me so far a lot of safe, high floor guys. I don't know how high Okoro's ceiling goes. Um, 6'6", 225. Uh, his identity revolves around his defensive versatility, his defensive toughness. Um, and he's proven to be a, a more promising offensive player than I kind of thought early on. Very efficient inside the arc. His jump shot, which we know is the biggest problem, uh, needs to improve. Uh, but the eye test kind of approves he looks okay. Uh, worst comes to worst, the team is getting a high-end role player who will defend your the opponent's top perimeter score, will man up inside. Uh, every coach is going to want to be able to coach Isaac Okoros. Uh, to me, he's a, a safe play, late lottery. I have him at number nine. At number 10, Killian Hayes, French point guard playing in Germany. He's been one of Euro Cup's uh, top playmakers, um, top five in assists per game. Uh, 6'3", an excellent passer in pick-and-roll situations, really knows how to break down defenses, uh, driving kick, thread the needle uh, off ball screens. Um, he is a, a guy who could just set the table. And uh, his shooting ha- has always been the, the big knock on him. He's shooting a high percentage from the free-throw line again. He's improving from downtown. He's even shown some uh, improvements as a shot creator with step-back work. Um, uh, he's just got to kind of tone it down. He's a little bit too wild. Um Otherwise, he makes some good defensive reads. I mean, there's a lot to like about Hayes. Uh, another guy, I don't know if he has enough scoring upside to be an NBA all-star point guard, uh, but uh, for the for the teams that miss on the top guys and really need to improve their backcourt, 
Um, I think in the late lottery, Killen Hayes is going to be an option uh, for a number of teams. At number 11, I have RJ Hampton, uh, the combo guard playing for the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, a lot to like about Hampton. Uh, does a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, a, a combo guard uh, who can play make, uh, who can make shots from the outside, a very good transition scorer, a capable defender. Um, I think he checks, like, in terms of uh, intangibles and character, he checks the, all the major boxes. Uh, maturity, tough, intelligent, uh, seems coachable. You just get the sense that this kid is uh, uh, somebody you want in your organization, uh, somebody you want to bet on maximizing their potential. The only fear with Hampton, and that's why I have him at number 11, is I'm not really sure what his bread and butter skill is, his bread and butter strength. Uh, you know, is he, He's not really a point guard. He's not really a shooter. Um, I, I'm just not, it's hard for me to picture him as a star in the NBA. Um, but I, again, I, number 11, I, he's got the chance for, I, I'd say he can go high as number five, but I can't really see any case where he falls outside uh, of the lottery for me. Teo Maladon checks in at number 12, French point guard playing uh, some games in EuroLeague and the Jeep Elite, uh, which is France's top league. And uh, just a very um, poised, a skilled point guard, he just lacks that explosiveness, that speed that makes you question just a bit how good he could be at the NBA level. Can he blow by guys? Um, can he finish at the rim of the high high rate? Uh, can he set the table as a, a guy breaks down defenses and drives and kicks? Um, uh, but then there's also you know so many point guards over the years who don't have that uh, burst and can really become excellent point guards with their minds and with their skill levels. And so that part of me keeps him in the lottery. Uh, the question marks make it tough for me. I mean, the athletic question marks make it tough for me um, to put him in that like top five mix. But another guy who could, who I'll have anywhere in that late lottery range, you know, six to 13. So he checks in right now at number 12. He just came back from a shoulder injury and he's actually had a few uh, productive games um, for Asvel. So that's a, a good sign. I'd say the arrow... Um, which had been kind of uh, fluctuating, uh, is has kind of gotten steady uh, for Maladon. Not ready to move him all the way up, but certainly I uh, feel good about keeping him in that late lottery range. Number 13, and uh, Obi Toppin, Dayton, big breakout star during the holiday uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Toppin has the chance to rise further for me. I mean, I, I think 13 is just a safe place to put him right now. I want to make sure um, that, that his outburst uh, really weren't that fluky. I don't think that they were. He reminds me a ton of Amari Stoudemire in terms of their general movement, their bodies, uh, their shooting form, the way they dunk, the fact that neither are good defenders. I mean, that's a big thing with Toppin is uh, he doesn't really project as a as a plus defender, uh, but he's really good offensively. I, I'm totally buying the shooting. I think his jump shot is very projectable. He's gotten so much more skilled in the post. And, of course, we know about uh, the body and the athleticism to play above the rim and, and finish easily inside and through contact. And so I think he's at just a really safe play again um, in this draft for his offense. He is already 21 years old. I think that's worth noting. Uh, and, again, defensively, there are question marks. Otherwise, he'd, uh, he'd easily be top 10. But for now, we'll keep him at number 13. At number 14, I have Washington's Jaden McDaniels. His highlights are awesome. His lowlights are not a bit inefficient offensively, um, but he's got 
you know, the the idea of McDaniel's is really what's appealing. Being a six nine guy who can uh, shoot threes off movement, uh, off pull ups, who can create their own shot off the dribble, get into floaters, slice to the basket. You know, really just a mismatch as a small forward with that six nine size and face up scoring skills. Defensively, there are going to be comparisons to Jonathan Isaac in terms of his potential switchability, um, the shot blocking, uh, the ability to get out in the perimeter and defend guards. Um, but I, offensively, I just question his efficiency, uh, his decision making, um, his level of execution against a set half court defense, um, the fact that he kind of disappears a little bit and drifts, which we've seen since high school. But in terms of skill sets, in terms of talent, I don't think there's any way you could drop him too far down the board. I mean, he'll at number 14, I think he can rise up to number five, depending on his consistency over the rest of the year. But he is he is going to be one of those uh, those high-ceiling, high-reward guys who probably goes top 10 and could maybe even you know sneak into the top five with a, with a solid workout season. At 15, I have Villanova's Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, he started for me actually top 10, even though I knew at the time I was going to eventually move him down. Um, I, I like him there because he's safe. I, I still like him at 15 because he's safe. I think at Villanova, he's flashed the exact um, skill set w- with his hands around the basket and mid-range touch um, and rebounding instincts and just smart overall play uh, that paints him as a very serviceable, a very trustworthy role player projecting him towards the next level. I don't know if he'll ever be a star, uh, but again, you just feel good about this guy being an NBA big man um, who, who makes winning plays. And so uh, I'm keeping him in the mid-first round. I've seen other guys jump out and, and who look like they have higher ceilings, and that's why he's down to 15 instead of 8 where he started. But still, I think anywhere in that mid, uh, mid-first mid round, late lottery, those type of grades I think work well for Jeremiah Robinson Earl. At number 16, Josh Green from Arizona, one of the most impactful, Impactful freshman defenders I've seen this year plays with unbelievable energy. I mean, he gets in a stance for for thirty second shot clocks, uh, and he makes plays on the ball, um, and they translate to easy baskets the other way because he's so athletic. He's flying down the floor. He's had a couple games where he shot the ball well. He's had a couple games where he has not. Uh, we've seen some flashes of floaters. I don't know if he's ever going to be a great offensive player, but I think uh, he he's got the chance to be a, a tremendous defender. Um, and kind of reminds me a lot of, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, like a Sean Marion type where uh, he could be a good enough offensive player, but his energy, athleticism translate uh, in other areas of the game. And uh, just another guy, I'll say it for the 50th time, just a safe pick, a high-end role player um, at the NBA level, high floor, um, and somebody mid-first round uh, probably gets a steal with Josh Green. We'll see how much he develops offensively, how consistently he can be offensively uh, from now until the end of the year. At number 17, I have Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State, uh, one of the top passers uh, in the country, and we kind of all knew that coming in. He has that two-way playmaking ability, uh, finding teammates, great vision, great passing skills, uh, also great hands and anticipation defensively. Uh, But he's had recently a couple 20-plus point games, and he's made some threes he wasn't making last year. Uh, I know he hasn't shot a great percentage, but I think, again, the makes outweigh the misses. Um, the big thing with him is, can he create his own shot in the half court? Can he get to the basket? Can he finish around the basket? Uh, I'm not sure he'll ever be able to do that just based on his body type, his lack of explosiveness. Uh, but if he can make enough open shots, um, I think that's going to be the key to him becoming a, a, a good high-end 
uh, role player at the NBA level, uh, maybe a starting point guard, depending on if he lands on the right team that can surround him with scores. Either way, he's just too good of a basketball player to let slip too far. You kind of worry about fit later on after you take him. Um, uh, somebody who could certainly help uh, guys around him. And, uh, and for that reason alone, I think he's a top 20 pick in this draft, if not higher. At number 18, welcome to the board. Landers Nolly II from Virginia Tech did not play last year, uh, was deemed ineligible. And uh, man, he's been awfully good to start the year. 30 points in the opener against Clemson. Hasn't let up since. 6-7, really smooth shooter. Um, And he could put the ball on the floor and separate into specialty shots in the mid-range. Not an explosive athlete, but uh, between his size, his shot-making skills, uh, he's just got the, he just looks the part. I mean, he's a very good offensive player. Uh, To me, I'm I'm jumping the gun early. I'm putting him in my top 20. Um, It may be premature. I may end up having to dock him and move him closer uh, to Fringe first round, in which case we don't know if he becomes a one-and-done guy or, or somebody we view as a breakout second-year player next year. Um, but I think he's clearly an NBA prospect, a first-round prospect. And just based on who else is in this conversation, uh, Nolly, to me, is intriguing as a guy in that in that uh, 15 to 20 range right now. Here's a change I'm making on the fly. At number 19, I had Wendell Moore from Duke. Uh, I think I got to take him off the board at this point. He's really not been much of a contributor to Duke at all. Had one good game, um, has kind of lost the trust of Coach K. Other guys are getting play ahead of him. Uh, he is, I think, maybe the youngest player in the country. Um, so he does have an excuse, and that kind of buys him time. But right now, uh, he seems too far away to even consider for the 2020 draft. So I'm taking Wendell Moore off the board. Who moves up a spot is Jemias Ramsey, freshman from Texas Tech. Ramsey, uh, 6'6", athletic, uh, good-looking three-point stroke, uh, can really score with the pull-up. Just another really good offensive player and defensively has a lot of potential as well. I wish he was more of a playmaker. That's what's kind of keeping him um, from having too high of a draft ceiling, uh, too high of a ranking for me. But uh, Jemias Ramsey, man, he's a big-time shot maker for Texas Tech, and I'm really interested to see his trajectory from now until the end of the season, if he plateaus, if he hits a wall, or if he kicks it up another gear, in which case, uh, yeah, to me, he he is a, a mid-first-round guy in this year's draft. At number 20, I have Kyra Lewis Jr. Uh, from Alabama, sophomore, who's going to be 18 years old this entire year. Lewis uh, had a good showing against Cole Anthony and North Carolina. Uh, just another well-rounded point guard. Uh, really quick off the dribble, can get to the teeth of the defense pretty easily, and once he's in there, He's skilled enough to make the right play with the floater uh, as a passer. He needs to improve as a pull-up shooter. He's a pretty good spot-up shooter. Overall, just a really well-rounded player. And still at 18 years old, um, he's going to get two years um, of full-time point guard experience. He's averaging already around 21, 6, and 5. So I like the jump that he's made. And uh, just a lot to like. Not Maybe not a lot to love, a lot to like. Uh, very little to dislike. So uh, another guy, I think he's going to be in that, that next tier of point guards uh, once, uh, you know, Cole and Nico Mannion and Killian Hayes, once those guys are off the board. Uh, I like Kira Lewis in that same mix with, with Halliburton. Right behind uh, Lewis, I have Trey Jones, another point guard in that tier. You know, we're not learning anything really new. He is one of the top defensive guards in the country, uh, high IQ passer. Um, he's taken the pull-up a lot more this year 
Um, it's not converting at a high enough clip, but the fact that he's taking them reflects more confidence, and, and maybe over the long term, he will be able to be a more threatening pull-up scorer, which he's really going to need um, if he ever really wants to be a starter in this league. But I think worst-case scenario, you get a high-end uh, quality role player, uh, a, de- a defender, a, a toughness specialist, uh, just a guy who makes good decisions. And, and that, to me, in this draft, is, is worth taking uh, in that late to, to mid-first round. 23, I have Aaron Henry from Michigan State, the sophomore. Hasn't made a huge jump offensively, but he's shooting well. Uh, defends well. Um, I, I wish we see a little bit more shot creativity. I think we will as the season goes on. But uh, I love his size. I love his, the way he plays the game. Uh, doesn't force too much. Makes winning plays. To me, he checks enough boxes uh, for an NBA role player at both ends along with the physical tools. So uh, for me, mid to late first round for Aaron Henry, um, but waiting on his offense to kind of blow up eventually. Vernon Carey Jr. for Duke is moving up. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I slotted him outside the first round after the first week. I really did not like what I saw. But, man, he's been a lot better lately. Just against Michigan State uh, last night, 30-plus points. Dominated the boards. I was blocking shots. He's moving much better defensively. I mean, that was the big concern with me. If if you're going to have a, a post guy who can't step away from the basket and shoot, can't step away from the basket, and defend, uh, I think his value just isn't very high in today's league. But uh, along with uh, the dominant inside play, he's been much better defensively. Um, he's hitting a couple threes. The free throw percentage makes me think that the threes are not really legitimate. But uh, he's getting down the floor. He's beating teams in transition. His mobility looks better. I wonder if that has to do with just improved conditioning since the start of the year. But anyway, Vernon Carey is clearly on the rise. I'm still not in love with his style of play. But, you know, He's kind of an Okafer type. But as you move into the 20s in this draft, I think it's, you clearly see a, a, an NBA big, even if it's a second or third big off the bench, uh, and even a potential starting big. He has looked uh, more and more like an NBA player over the past couple of weeks, I think because uh, of that improved mobility and, and more decisive moves uh, coming out of the post. At number 24, Zeke Naji, freshman from Arizona, was not on my pre-draft board, but he's been impossible to ignore just based on his stats. I'd be shooting like 70% from the floor, uh, 6'11", high motor, great hands around the basket, skilled in the post, shows good touch in the mid-range, good defensive mobility. Um, uh, just another, looks like a, a role player in waiting for an NBA team to just grab somewhere in that mid to late first round. Nothing super exciting about his game, but uh, between his physical tools and uh, his ability to use them, um, so far at the college level has just been too convincing. He looks like uh, an easy late first round guy. At number 25, Vanderbilt's Aaron Naismith, uh, a breakout sophomore. Darius Garland leaves and Naismith has suddenly blown up, averaging over 20 a game, shooting at a ridiculous clip from downtown. Uh, but it's not just the numbers. The eye test loves the shot making uh, off spot ups, off screens. Um, he just, I mean, he, he just knows how to put the ball in the basket, uh, has a very projectable jumper with that six, six size, uh, great tools for defending. Looks like a three and D guy, occasional flashes of post-up play, um, of slashing, uh, not much of a passer or a creator, uh, which really, really does limit his ceiling, puts a lot of pressure on him to make those outside shots. But late first round, I think some team uh, looking for a three and D guy will, will certainly have Naismith um, on, highlighted on their draft board at. 
Number 26, Florida State's Patrick Williams, freshman, 6'8", strong, like 230-pound body, so toned. And, and, you know, of course, you look at him and, and he looks like, you know, a tight end, an enforcer, a power player on the basket, physical, uh, but he moves his feet well defensively. He's going to be a guy who can defend bigs, who could switch out uh, onto quicker players. And we continue to see these flashes of shooting, of, of pull-up shooting, um, so he's got a lot of untapped offensive potential. He is a project. He's going to have games where he goes like one for three. Uh, but I think if you're projecting Patrick Williams long-term, you see a very physical player, uh, a versatile player with, with scoring upside that is really just scratching the surface. At number 27, I have Romeo Weems, freshman from DePaul. You know, he's probably not a one-and-done guy. Uh, I've, I've talked to coaches who love him. He's uh, six seven. Big-time athlete, plays with a lot of energy. You know, just one of those guys who's raw, may not exactly know what he's doing, but could still make an impact with his energy, his tools, his athleticism. Uh, and offensively, he's shown he can make outside shots, uh, shown he can kind of finish around the basket in the lane. Um, he's not going to be someone you give the ball to and say, go get me a bucket. He needs to improve his handle. He's definitely an offensive project, but in terms of natural talent and in terms of what the NBA looks for and values, um, those wings who could defend and get out in transition. Uh, I think Williams is certainly a guy to to watch uh, and you know maybe a lottery prospect in 2021. We'll see how much he progresses over the next uh, couple months to decide whether or not he's ever going to enter the one-and-done conversation. At number 28, Isaiah Stewart from Washington. Um, some teams, some, some uh, scouts may have him in the lottery. Uh, I have him at 28 just because I don't think there's a ton of upside tied to a guy who plays only around the basket. He's not really switchable defensively. I thought he'd be a better shooter than he's shown, but he's still been a very dominant player so far inside. Went for 16 and 15 the other night, 17 and 14 the night before. Uh, super physical, 240. Uh, plays hard, plays through contact. Has impressive back-to-the-basket footwork, some counter footwork. Uh, but again, I think best-case scenario, he's just like a, a bench role player or... Or um, uh, you know, kind of a boring center, um, if if uh, if your team really needs one. So I don't love the upside. I lo- I like the floor. Um, late first round to me is where I have Isaiah Stewart. Twenty nine, Miles Powell, Seton Hall, shot maker. I just you put this guy in the right team, and they are going to optimize his shot making ability. Uh, he may not be anything more than than just somebody who comes off the bench and catches and shoots. But he's so good at that that I think it's going to carry him to an NBA role, to an NBA career. And uh, he's one of those guys where his ranking might change depending on what team he ends up on. But if he gets a chance to get out there and just fire away with a green light, uh, Miles Powell, one of the best scorers, shot makers in the country, I think uh, he is going to last in the NBA. And at number 30, Jordan Wara uh, from Louisville. Uh, small forward slash power forward. He's a good rebounder. So I think you can play him at the four as a mismatch score. Uh, shooting really well. He's actually in the 99th percentile so far out of spot-ups. Just had a very strong game, like 20-plus and 12 against Michigan, who had come in and uh, ranked at number four and, and one of the better defenses. He's 6'8", uh, shoots off the screens, uh, off the catch, um, shown some pulp ability. That's where he needs to improve, scoring off the dribble, finishing around the basket. Not really an explosive uh, player inside and probably never going to be an impact defender, but uh, with his size... Um, and shot-making skills, I think he's got the chance to be a scoring specialist in the NBA. All right, from 30 to 50, I'm just going to rattle off names. Not too much 
analysis. These are um, fringe first rounders, guys I'm not really sure where to put right now, um, and guys who certainly move a lot over the next couple of weeks may have just been a rough month. Um, for, for some others, they may have been off the board and kind of got themselves on it. I'll mention that if that was the case. 31, Scotty Lewis, uh, Florida wing. I had him a lot higher. He struggled a bit offensively. So he uh, he moves down for me as an early second rounder, fringe first rounder. Uh, Trevon Queen from New Mexico State. Uh, kind of where I had him, fringe first round to start the year. Uh, 33, Paul Reed to Paul. He's a riser. I didn't have him top 50. I do now. I think 33, uh, he can move up from here. Um, six nine, improved so much defensively. I mean, that stood out to me most. He's blocking shots. He's getting steals. His perimeter skills have improved a lot. Um, just a really good all-around player and who's really helped lift DePaul uh, to become a relevant team in this country. Uh, number 34, Brian Antoine. Um, again, this is where I kind of had him to start the year. He, he hasn't played much coming off an injury. I'm really in wait-and-see mode on Antoine, depending on if he does get a, a full-time rollback and how he does in it. At 35, Devin Vassell, Florida State wing, who was not on my board to start the year. I think he's made some impressive improvements. Uh, a 3 and D wing and shown enough glimpses that he could be a little bit more of a scorer off the dribble this year. 36, Isaiah Mobley, USC freshman, power forward. 6'9", uh, versatile, can grab and go, um, can, can attack facing up. We'll see how much he improves as a shooter. He's going to need that in his game because he's not very explosive. Inside, I don't know how good of a defender he's going to be around the perimeter, so a lot will depend on his jump shot, but for a guy who's 6'9", with his face-up skills, I think he's a very intriguing prospect long-term. 37, Cassius Winston, Michigan State. Uh, we all know what he could do and fits that Jalen Brunson mold, uh, maybe a Fred Van Fleet, although Van Fleet, man, that's another story. He could do a whole podcast on his development. But Winston, uh, one of those fringe first-round guys and obviously a National Player of the Year candidate. 38, A.J. Lawson, uh, off-ball score, 39. Cassius Stanley, I'm in wait-and-see mode. I know he got hurt. He's going to be out the next couple of weeks, so uh, he's see what happens with him upon his return. Isaiah Joe, uh, sophomore, shot-making specialist, 41. Trendon Watford, uh, power forward, freshman from LSU, 42. West Virginia's Oscar Shibwe, uh, freshman, energizer, enforcer around the basket. Just wish he had a little bit more ball skills, shooting touch, but a guy who can make things happen around the basket without needing his number called. Looking now, I'd make a change at number 43. I have Preston Achua. Uh, if I were to do it again and update the board, he'd be probably somewhere in the low to mid-20s. Uh, he doesn't really have an offensive bankable skill. Like I'm not really sure what his, again, his, his bread and butter, his signature is offensively, but he's 6'9", 225. He moves his feet defensively. He's good around the basket. He can face up an attack, and when he's set, he can make an open shot. You know, he can do all these things, but none of them really will. So that's why I'm not super high on Achua. But uh, yeah, I'll admit 43 is too low. He should be higher than that. Um, at 44, um, again, that's where I had Vernon Carey. I moved him up. Uh, so next to his Virginia's Mama Di Diakite, who uh, has made some big strides offensively for Virginia. Uh, 6'9's got some shooting touch. His three ball looks better. Uh, his shot making out of the post uh, looks more versatile, and he can make plays defensively. Just needs to improve his toughness around the basket, his strength. Forty-six Samuel Williamson, Louisville wing. This is a more of a long-term play. He's 
doesn't look like he's going to be ready for the 2020 draft. But I think if I were to create a 2021 mock draft, he'd be top 20 for me. Uh, 47, Robert Woodard, the second Mississippi State. Uh, explosive defensive wing who's uh, showing some signs offensively with the three ball. Uh, Amar Silla from Senegal. 49, Derek Austin Jr., Boise State. And at 50, C.J. Ellaby, uh, the sophomore wing from Washington State, uh, who got an invite to the G League Elite Camp last year. NBA guys were interested, didn't do enough there. Put him on the breakout map for this season, and he's having a very productive year. That does it for my top 50. I figure I've talked long enough. I've thrown out a lot of names. Uh, maybe we'll, next week we'll touch on some other guys, maybe some really deep sleepers. Uh, but thanks for listening. Tweet at me at NBA Draft Was uh, if you have any questions. Um, and uh, we will talk soon.